Hello and welcome to the Dissidents podcast brought to you by the Institute for Liberal Values. This is where we talk about how we can strive for a world in which freedom and reason are at the forefront of all human society. In this week's podcast, Elizabeth Spivak and Mike Burke discuss collective anti-Semitism, victimhood and the wider implications this way of thinking has for society. Hello, everybody. Thank you. Welcome back. Um, yes, as usual, do all the like, subscribe, share, all that stuff. We would be very much obliged if you'd be so kind. Um, so today we are looking at an article called Collective Victimhood and Social Prejudice, a Post-Holocaust Theory of Antisemitism. So again, looking at antisemitism and trying to come to terms, really, with why anti-Semitism seems to be so much a thing as it is. Um, it, it doesn't, for me, instinctively make sense why so many people don't like Jewish people, although evidently they do, and some of the evidence is offered up here. So, Elizabeth, yeah. would you care to... Well, yeah, so, so the basis, really, of this article is that the Holocaust becomes the um, the measure of victimhood. So every every uh, war, every you know you know in the U.S., every political person who starts spewing hatred is com you know compared to Hitler. Every um, you know you know every every, co every colonial you know whatever is compared to, you know, uh, Israel and every, so every, so the Holocaust becomes sort of the pinnacle of, uh, you know, of victimhood. And that's kind of the baseline. I mean, that's kind of the foundation of the article. They're, they're suggesting that, uh, that's because that's the comparison point, then, um, you know, it, it becomes the standard to beat in a creepy kind of way um, to meet or or beat. Uh, so they're they're talking first of all they you know they they're in their review of literature they talk about the sort of the standard view of um, uh, a scapegoating which is which we've actually talked about a little bit on here right. this idea that uh, you know coping with the suffering of you know maybe military defeats uh, maybe um, other kinds of, uh, you know, internal and international uh, crises is uh, scapegoating. So, you know, when society suffers, somebody needs to uh, be to blame. Okay. So we have to avenge someone or we have to blame someone. So the idea then that these, these authors said that um, anti-Semitism was particularly resilient, if you will, because it's more than uh, just this scapegoating. So scapegoating alone is not enough, that it, it does explain some anti-Semitism, but they're suggesting that this uh, collective victimhood, and so, so by the way, we actually have talked about collective emotions before, this idea that where you have emotions that match or on behalf of your group, so you kind of you know, um, take on the, um, you know, the uh, emotions of the group. And we talked a little bit about um, even sports 
you know, you sort yep. of collectively get, and, and that's going to be relevant actually in this article because uh, study two actually, they took advantage of a, of a sports uh, situation. So, yeah, so the assumption really has been that uh, scapegoating was one reason. And then um, that the idea also that, you know, this underlying assumption, collective frustration over something like economic outcomes creates a need to explain the world and assign responsibility for outcomes. And <laughs> during this process, members of the in-group target an out-group to assign blame. And they're, again, they're just saying that, you know, that these, this is not enough. So they, um, they actually propose that people are competing for the severity of their in-groups trauma. So again, they're using, you know, the Holocaust as the comparison, and they're sort of competing to be uh, more uh, victim, more of a victim as a group than, uh, than that group, because it is the standard. Um, so, so they actually say they use the word keenly. So, you know, I, I picked up keen from you, you know, uh, you know, since, you know, so I, I just, I always like it when, when something shows up like that, it's like, oh, I know where these authors are from. Right. Um, so in, so it says in such cases, members of the in-group keenly associate with them, themselves with the attitudes of deservingness, entitlement, and in-group's victimhood, as is which is portrayed as unique, exclusive, and incomparable. <laughs> a little bit of a coughing fit there. I, I know. I was. Too. I was. I've been hardly coughing all day and all of a sudden, of course. Um, of so again, you know, the Holocaust sort of became, they call it the premium historical analogy uh, or reference point for any uh, episode. So they did um, three studies. So do you want to talk about the uh, background well, well, no, no, research no, 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 before first? We, before, yeah. we, before we get into the studies, let, let's yeah. discuss the Holocaust, right? Um, so when I grew up, as a kid in the 1980s and the 1990s, um, certainly the Holocaust was the kind of gold standard for suffering. It, it really framed um, culture as it was then, right? That the, the, the worst thing you could possibly be was a Nazi. Yeah, and I think that as kids, like, that just seemed, it seemed so impossible. I mean, that we, not that we thought it wasn't true, but so Im impossibly true, I guess, that, you know, because we, you know, we're reading about this in a book and it just, it, it just didn't, it did not compute with the way that we understood the world, I guess. But and I that, think that seemed was yeah, I think that was true for your generation. I think that was true for my generation. I think that was true for your parents' generation and my parents' generation. But I'm not sure it's true anymore. I think it might be a bit di distant. Well, I mean, that's not what these, you know, these... No, no, but... These, I, are, I, I just... these are, are, you know, these authors are sort of saying that there that there is none other in sort of in the textbooks, in the, in our educational system. Now, I'm, I think you may be right that, that even younger, 
you know, people who aren't on Twitter and people who aren't voting yet maybe are learning that there's, you know, far worse or certainly other comparable uh, things. But I don't know if no, most... Well, so the, the reason I'm pointing this out is is a disturbing trend. I mean, this, this is not specifically related to anything that the authors argue, but I think it's worth addressing that there are people now who are expressing sympathy with Hitler on the far left. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is worrying. And there are people, and I, I would place them within the kind of Islamist side of the far left, but they are quite openly saying that Hitler kind of had the right idea. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think you could have done that when we were kids. Um, I mean, yeah, there may have been some nutcases who did, but but it would have been yeah, very hard. I, yeah, I think um, I'm not sure that I would attribute it to the same thing that you are. I'm not sure that I wouldn't attribute that to, in part to just that people can find an audience. Um, you know, you know, the, there are just a few nutcases here or there, but now those nutcases can connect with one another. Sure. And so that, I don't know. Yeah, one thing but, I would, if if you're willing. Um, mm -hmm. This article is really taking place around the uh, because they, they their uh, population is uh, Greece, right? They're, all three studies are done in Greece, um, and so I was wondering if you know anything. I should have asked you this beforehand, so I'm putting you on the spot. Um, if you can, if you know much about the financial crisis in Greece and how, and you know the sort of the. Um, there, there's they actually even talk about you know the the uh like a, a uh skirmish it's not really a war with turkey i don't know what you know about that and if you if you have any background that um not a great deal okay. yeah, um, yeah i'm just kind of going back in time um to to what was happening back then um certainly greece was spending a lot of money that they didn't have um and they were operating under the assumption that they would have been bailed out by the EU. Um, and specifically Germany being the richest country in the EU. And that didn't happen. And so they had to go through austerity and they, so far as I remember, they, they, they elected a very left-wing government and blamed the Germans. Um, but, but, but I'm not, I haven't read up on that recently. Yeah. So I, you know, yeah. it's, that's just like off yeah. the top of my head. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're always having skirmishes with the Turks, like the Greeks and the Turks oh, are they? Have like, <laughs> yeah, no, they're not. <clears throat> so if you think about, um, Istanbul within living memory, the residents of Istanbul called Istanbul Constantinople. Yes. Um, even though it hadn't been Constantinople since the Ottoman conquest, which was hundreds of years ago. Um, but the feeling is amongst the Greeks is that parts of Turkey are Greek, right? So if you go to, you know, if you go to Turkey, if you look at some of the archaeological remains there. A lot of them are kind of Greek or Greco-Roman. 
in origin. I mean, you know, Constantinople was the capital of the Roman Empire. Um, so there is a deep, 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 deep set animosity between the Greeks who are who feel they are, whether they are or not is another thing. They feel they are the the descendants the of the Roman Empire and the Ottoman Turks, the Turks, who took that from them by force. Um, so there's a real kind of resentment between those two peoples. And a lot so of that's ancient Greece is in Turkey, right. you know. So that's actually really, um, that's, that's good to know, because I do think that's relevant to the, the study in that it, you know, they're talking about anti-Semitism and, um, you know, that's sort of that same kind of history that we talked about with regard to Palestinians and Israel. And, and there is kind of this, you know, overlap here, right. In the, this idea that, you know, who's sort of, who's, uh, I don't know who took whose monuments, and who took whose, you know, cities yeah, I mean, and, yeah. It's, 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 I mean, for me, I, I, I can't, identify with any of these issues so i can't really identify with the jewish feelings about judea and, and and israel and all the palestinians like i don't feel any link to to, to a specific a specific land i'm mean, you know as a Brit yeah living i in tokyo i like, feel i feel similarly wherever i live is home but uh yeah but there's no kind of sacred sacred bond right 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 Whereas I think with with the Greeks and the Turks, you know, they do feel a sacred bond that, that, that part of their land is inherently spiritually theirs. And right. certainly the Israelis and the Palestinians feel the same. Right. Um, I, I don't feel that way about England. Right. Or, or Japan. You know, I just, wherever I am. Wherever I lay my head is home, so yeah. sorry there. But, but but I think it's worth unpacking that because that might be that kind of... Do you know the term blood and soil? Mm-hmm. Like this kind of like far-right kind of um, ethno-nationalistic identity thing. I mean, that that is a real thing for lots of people. Um, not me. Yeah. Um... So these, um, they do talk about, you know, sort of the collective, um, you know, trauma in Greece. Uh, they talk about the great power. They do talk about this, you know, situation with Turkey and stuff as sort of just laying the groundwork for their, you know, for the way that they uh, designed the study. So, um, so they did three studies. One is um, a big survey and they operationalized victimhood. So this is individuals, you know, exp individuals experience of collective victimhood, just by agreement with, um, you know, that the Greeks have suffered more than X and they put in several uh, different, uh, you know, they put the Jews, the Armenians, others, uh, the Corinthians, they put the Bosnians in, um, Um, so then they asked, um, it sh then they asked a question, you know, it should be denied, 
the Jews should be denied the ability to buy land in Greece. Okay, so they have this, the you know, statement the Jews have suffered more than a list of 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 uh, ethnicities, races, um, and then um, it should be denied the ability to, you know, Jews should be denied the ability to buy land in Greece. So um, this just a pure correlation. Okay, so it's just a big. I'm sure there were plenty of other questions on the survey, but these are the two that that they were looking at. Um, and so they uh, they found that uh, anti-Semitism was quite high in Greece, uh, which others have found also. Apparently, Greece is a, a anti-Semitic hotbed. Like sixty-nine percent or something of people express some sort wow. of of mm. yeah of anti-Semitic um, uh, you know beliefs or you know endorsed to some extent. Um, the anti-Semitism uh, statement. So, uh, but they found a strong positive relationship between that victimhood question, that collective victimhood question that, that um, they had, you know, Greece had suffered more than others. And this question, this idea that, that Jews should not be allowed to own land in Greece. So they found a strong positive correlation. Um, now they did find that uh, you know other um, some of their other you know Armenians Bosnians they also found similar sentiment but it was just the strongest for Jews. Um, then I love this study they did a, a an ex sort of a study I think by accident but they had um, in, they were interviewing people. Um, and they asked some of these collective victimhood questions. They asked some of the anti-Semitism questions. Um, and they started their survey process before the World Cup uh, uh, preliminary, uh, it's uh, getting down to 16 teams. Okay, so um, I don't know how many teams there are, but you know, so they got Greece for the first time in, they say, I, I don't know, for the first time in, I don't know how many years forever, first time in forever, um, they, um, in, they made the top six, the sweep 16. Okay. So they had started their interviews before that. And then they finished their interviews a couple of days after. So a couple of days before the world cup semifinals, and then a couple of days after. So they capitalized on this by looking to see if be, because of the way that the Greeks won this soccer match, football, football uh, match, was that um, they won by a referee decision. Okay, so it was this kind of controversial call and it went towards Greece. Okay, so you can't really claim victimhood when you were the beneficiary of a kind of close call. That was the, the researcher's idea. And okay. so sure enough, um, they found that the people interviewed after the game registered lower levels of collective victimhood. Now, it wasn't a huge effect, but it was significant. So I think it was like, you know, I, I, now I'm right the second I'm not seeing it, but it was a significant but small effect, okay? So, um, you know, pretty, pretty interesting. Um, and uh, they, the only, in this case, the only group for which they found a significant change in trust 
after the match was for Jews. So inter being interviewed after the match increased trust in Jews. Okay, so it's like their collective victimhood went down and, and their trust in Jews went up. So further support for their, for their hypothesis. Um, and then they did a third study where, uh, now I love, now I, I, I'm not going to lie, one of the reasons I picked the article is because of this study, because it's quite similar to the study that I got canceled for. So yes, um, why would anyone want to do this? Uh, you know, why, why um, would anybody want to study anything significant at all? Yeah. You know, as so, an academic, that's not your job. Evidently. Yeah. Like why, yeah. why would you be interested in anything <laughs> consequential? Yeah. Um, so put me in a room with those people, was, please, please put me in yeah. a room with those people. <laughs> um, so what they did was they gave people uh, one of four statements. So they randomly assigned them to one of four statements. Um, the control group was considering yourself, to what extent do you agree with what is generally said that Jews exploit the Holocaust to achieve better treatment in, in the international arena? So they're basically just asking people to endorse this anti-Semitic statement. Can I ask a question? Yeah. So by presenting that hypothetical statement, does it mean that they agree or disagree with the hypothetical statement that they're presenting? You know, you know funny you ask, but it does not mean that the researchers agree or disagree with that statement. And, Who and would have thought that? I know. And, you know, as far as I know, none of the participants in the study thought that the researchers agreed with that. I, were the, were the researchers were the researchers asked to apologize? They were not, and they got did, their research published. And did the university apologize <laughs> on behalf of the researchers? They did not. No. I'll tell who you. Would have thought you know? it? Who who would have? Look, this is one of my friends says. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk <laughs> it? Exactly. Yeah. Actually, thunk that exact phrase was in a crossword puzzle uh, answer just uh, the other day. Thunk. They right. put who would have blank it, and it was thunk. Um, Very good. So yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so then they had a victimhood. Uh, so that that exact statement, considering yourself, to what extent do you agree with what is generally said that Jews exploit the Holocaust to achieve better treatment in the international arena, was prefaced then in the experimental groups by a, a phrase or. Um, a combination of phrases. So in the victimhood phrase uh, uh, condition, history has been unfair to Greek people. Okay, that was the victim. So they're in, in you know, enhancing or, you know, confirming uh, collective victimhood. And then the, the exact same statement, considering yourself to what extent. Um, then there's a scapegoating condition Others, and not Greece, are to be blamed for the current economic crisis. Then the rest of the statement. So that's the scapegoating. And then they had the victimhood and scapegoating combined. So people read both statements and then answered the question. Um, and uh, so in the victimhood acknowledgement condition, so history has been unfair to Greek people, people, the respondents were uh, endorsed the uh, 
uh, statement that Jews exploit the Holocaust to achieve better treatment in the international arena to a greater extent. That was the highest um, uh, response. The lowest was scapegoating. So giving people the scapegoat, others and not Greece, are to be blamed for the current economic crisis. People didn't feel the need to um, uh, engage in anti, you know, endorse the anti-Semitic statement uh, to the same extent. Um, and then no framing and both framings, sort of in the both that almost canceled each other out and the control group. Uh, so it was, um, and it was a significant effect. Um, so it was this, you know, sort of priming up with the experiment a collective victimhood by reminding people of their victimhood uh, seemed to, uh, and again, this is the the author's interpretation, it seemed to maybe prime up this desire to compete. It's like to compete for victimhood. So, you know, those, those uh, you know, um, Jews exaggerate. I mean, I'm suffering and the Jews are exaggerating. It's like they're always talking about how much they're suffering when I'm suffering too. You know, my group is also suffering. That's kind of the author's idea, interpretation. Um, so, uh, so we have three studies here suggesting that, um, you know, people are maybe, uh, their views of collective suffering might <laughs> might be impacted by a uh, reminder, I guess, to compare their own group c victim status with the Holocaust. Um, so this is not to say, again, they found it with a few other groups too. It's not to say that it's unique, but it seemed more extreme with, um, with the Holocaust and maybe a little bit of, you know, sort of, I don't know, get over it already. I don't know. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, so, uh, I do have a few other things to, to mention, but what did, what did you think of the results? Um, so this competitive victimhood thing, this is, you know, this seems, this seems to make sense to me. Um, I mean, I, I, I've always been at a loss to explain anti-Semitism. I've always, like, I've never, I, did you, did you ever notice Jewish people growing up? No, uh, no. And in fact, See, I didn't um, either. yeah, it's like, and, and people, people say things, I've heard people say things like, oh, well, that's a, you know, I don't know, my kids dating someone named blah 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 I presume he's Jewish or whatever or what and I'd be like really how would you know that <laughs> like I didn't grow up thinking about that or no, or you no. know I don't have that yeah like it was it was really <laughs> weird for me so, so it was something that totally ghosted me so like I remember I went to to like I only started thinking about anti-semitism really in as a serious thing in my 30s like before then if somebody said they were jewish it wouldn't register uh yeah i'm catholic so i like you know. cheese <laughs> yeah exactly you know, you know um you know so it was so from, from my perspective so so you know 
I recently said that, like, I have very few Jewish friends and I have no connection to any Jewish community. And then when I started speaking out in favor of Israel, I realized that I actually have more Jewish friends than I realized. But they just hadn't registered as being Jewish. Right. Yeah. They might this have told like, me, but, I, but it didn't yeah. register even when they told me. It just wasn't important information. So I didn't remember it. Um, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I was relating that to, I don't, um, the, um, the Coleman Hughes, you know, like the colorblind thing, which we may do a podcast yeah. on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this idea that, you know, close your eyes and think about what you know about your friend and, you know, any of your friends, like was race any part of that? Was religion any part of what you brought up thinking about, you know, like close your eyes, think about your friend, like think about what you, you know, why you're friends with them or whatever. And, you know, race, religion, you know, their height, weight, none of that comes up in, in no, the I'm... reason why you're friends with them. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Um, so what I wanted to... He didn't register. Like, 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 like... Yeah. And now I realize that they're Jewish and I, and I could have figured it out, even me, you know, a year ago, just by thinking, looking at and thinking about their names, right? That would have been enough for me to figure out that they were likely Jewish. But I couldn't be bothered. It just, <laughs> that task right. didn't occur. Like, my brain would have been easily capable of doing that, even age 15. But that yeah. task for, for, you know, from then to, 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 to now, that task didn't raise itself as something that was even worth considering. Yeah. You know, thinking about what brand of tea I might buy in the supermarket was of, of so higher priority. Yeah. But, but, so that, but that's the... weird. But, but, but here's, here's what I'm trying to say. It strikes me that that is weird. Well, here's what I was going to uh, say. And so I'm going to play into, uh, play into some people's hands here. So, uh, I think that this article, they don't say this and they never, they did not mean to say this, <laughs> but I think it could be used to say that people like you and me, because of our white, you know, privileged background, we could flip this, right? And say, well, because we don't have a need to think about our collective victimhood, then we also don't need to think about how Jews are, you know, using their collective victimhood to undermine, I don't know, the banking system or the, you know, the inter some other international thing. So I'm not saying that that's going on, but it's kind of like, you know, I mean, that's, we could use that uh, if we white, wanted to. White, white people do collective victimhood. Like, like, oh my well, God. That's what, yes. Like, so seriously. I, like, uh, yeah. come, come to Japan, come to Japan. Just, just, just come and, and you, can, you can stay with me and everything will be <laughs> lovely. Um, but seriously, like, white people in Japan, when they become an ethnic minority, they are absolutely chomping. Is it, this is an American term. I'm, I'm chomping at the bit. Yes. Is that correct? Do you know? Yeah. Do you know where that comes from? No. From the, ho from the horse. The horse's bit it goes in their mouth ah, yeah and so chomping weird. at the bit is like you know like ready to go they're you know they're frothing you know when they rate when horses race and stuff there yeah i bet you that this is something that was originally british and then is like faded out from the british 
vernacular and is present. Like candy, for example, is originally British, but the Brit- Brits don't use it anymore. And soccer for association football right. like, was also British, and then we don't use it anymore. Anyway, um, but they are like like Britain. Sorry, lots of white people in Japan chomp they're chomping at the bit for collective victimhood right mm-hmm. so they notice when somebody says ohashi jozu which means you can use chopsticks well so oh okay so hey, listen, you. you're in japan how dare you how yeah. dare you other me by <laughs> suggesting that i can use chopsticks well um yeah. or when somebody doesn't sit next to them on the train like because that, that, that's true right you know People often won't sit next to me on the train. Yeah. And is that I racism? Think I think that's Probably. partly because... Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I think it's partly because you're big. Like, nobody wants to sit next to a big person. I mean, you're not a big person, but comparison to them, you're a big person. You know what I mean? So nobody wants to, like, sit. It's like, I'm going to choose somewhere to sit next to somebody who takes up smaller space. How so. dare you undermine my victimhood? Yes. How dare you undermine the suffering of white people in Japan? Um, I'm appalled. Um, you yes. you are protecting and thereby furthering Japanese supremacy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, okay. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's because I'm big. Um, no, but you see what I mean? So, so collect- collective victimhood is instinctive. Yeah. And I remember, I remember yeah. doing it. I remember me, myself, doing the same thing you know, when I experienced racism in Japan. And I did, by the way, I have experienced racism in Japan. And none of it has been consequential. Right. Right. None of it has been anything more than mildly irritating. Well, and you've said many times... But I have the desire to kind of amplify it. Yeah, yeah. And you've said one of the things that you realized is that a lot of it is more cliquish than racist yeah. right it's because they are raised very much in their little cliques that they stay in over the years and people just don't get like you show up when you're 22 or 26 or whatever and it's like well too bad you don't have you don't have a click you're screwed no yeah yeah, yeah that, that, okay, that that is the big thing i mean let's just unpack that briefly because you know people haven't listened to our past podcasts um it is very difficult to get into an in-group in japan and people assume that the reason for that is because of racism and, and, and maybe that might sometimes play a part, but, but I don't think it plays a part very often. What it is, is that Japanese in-groups are kind of solidified in elementary school often, right? Or, or, or primary school or infant school in the UK would be the equivalent. Um, and they just stay the same. They go through elementary school, junior high school, high school, and then maybe they go off to a different university and then that's another time where they'll form another in-group. And maybe you can form an in-group in work. But otherwise, even for a Japanese person, trying to enter into a new in-group is husband and wife. You know, so like I'm in my wife's in-group of friends. But it's really, really, really hard. There has to be like a major event in life. So my kids going to school formed a new in-group with the mums not the dads by the way yeah the you mums told me you're formed not, a, you're right, not invited yeah, yeah. No. no well i kind of yeah but i yeah it's weird it's awkward right? you're not um, encouraged to no. participate yeah so the mums formed a new in-group so you know there has to be a serious reason 
to invite people to an in-group. Now, compare, compare that to life in the UK. If I'm going to the pub with a group of friends, let's say, and another friend who does not know those group of friends phones me up and says, Mike, do you want to go to the pub tonight? Like, my answer would be no. Come on over. Yeah, my, exactly right. So my answer would be, I can't go with you to this pub but because I've already agreed to go to that one with these people, but why don't you come? And it's not yeah. awkward, right? But in Japan, you can't do that. And sometimes when you're out, you somebody just ends up joining your group. Yeah. You're just out. It's a stranger, but they kind of hit it off with everybody and you just kind of like so, for a while you're, you know, all in a friend group. So, so, so yeah, like, so, so like typically like in a, in a, a, a bar in, in America or the US, you just get talking to various different people, right? Yeah. Over the course of a night. Um, you know, those kinds of bars exist in Japan, like in Tokyo and in the major cities, but they're not the norm. Like most people don't go to them. They go to what's called an izakaya, which is like a restaurant that is more about drinking than it, than it is about food. And they go with their group and they sit at a table that is isolated for other groups and they don't oh, wow. mingle with other groups. That's the norm. They don't, most Japanese people don't go to what we would call bars. And, and mm -hmm. again, they're, they're, that's not to say that they don't exist and some Japanese people do go yeah. to them, but it's but not But they're not normal. minglers by nature. No, not at all. Yeah. Very, 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 very far from it. So, so you know, it, it, it's very common for Western people to think that the reason that Japanese people don't enter their in-groups is because racism. And no, it's, it's a misunderstanding of the culture. They're just not minglers <laughs> by nature. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about now, this is mm. just, this is a 2016 <clears throat> Anti-Defamation League survey. Okay, so U.S. Anti-Defamation League survey, 2016. And they're actually comparing 2011, 2013, 2016. So my assumption is there's a 2019. So it looks like they do this every three years. I just happened to find the 2016 one with comparison values. So I apologize for not having the most recent. However, what I wanted to talk about was that um, anti-Semitic... Uh, so they talk about, let's see, anti-Semitic propensities, they're using that word, not me, among African-Americans from 1992 to 2016. So the general population around 12 to 14 percent over the years, okay, um, are willing to express some anti-Semitic views in the, the Anti-Defamation League survey. And... Uh, for the African-American population, again, that, that's the term that they're using in this survey. They're not using Black, they're using African-American um, uh, in the survey report. Uh, but closer to 30%, so 25% to 29% uh, of Blacks are expressing anti-Semitic, um, you know, uh, endorsing anti-Semitic statements that are in the Anti-Defamation League survey. Okay. Um, Similarly, um, U.S. Uh, uh, foreign-born Hispanics, quite high, uh, over 30%, uh, one year, uh, 40%. Um, so this foreign-born Hispanics, so people who have, you know, immigrated to the United States. So I guess, I, you know, I was, I was thinking, you know, as I look at this, um, uh, you know, is, I mean, these are groups that, 
might claim victimhood, right? That might legitimately, I guess I say, legitimately claim some victimhood um, and then might be using that, you know, perhaps the Holocaust or Jews as a comparison. This might support the study that we just read. That's what I'm suggesting is that groups that have some, you know, uh, I say claim, I'm, you know, like, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, immigrants certainly have have their complaints about the way that they're treated, as do, you know, um, as we know, as do, um, you know, African-Americans or blacks. So I don't know. I mean, a little bit of suggestion that that. Do immigrants well, in the that's United not, States of America or the well, UK? But that's not, I'm not saying that they do. I'm not saying that they do. I'm saying that they would, that they, they, may, may they would say that, that they, they do. do. Yeah. And then there's also, um, uh, it, it's not in this survey because this is about anti-Semitism, but there's, um, you know, I think, I think we would find if I, you know, looked for a few minutes, we would find that blacks have more anti-Asian uh, higher anti-Asian views. And, and um, anti-Semitic too, both. Right, right. They have both. So, so yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, I just... I, mean, I, mean, I say I say they, but they, they don't really exist, right? You know, when I talk about, no. like, like <laughs> black people, like, is it some right, kind of I know. monolithic yeah. kind of thing? Um, you know, people who have that pigmentation, I suppose... If they identify with that pigmentation, which many of them don't, um... oh yeah, there's there's all kinds of ifs. I mean, these are these the, again. This is a huge, you know, this the anti defamation league survey is is a is a huge number of you know for um, so these are only the people who answered all uh, of the survey questions. So um, uh, you know, about a thousand people. Okay, no. so. But you know, it's really they're not talking about any in individual. Sure. They're talking about the, the but it's overall. Really, really, yeah. It's really, really interesting as a non-European, right? Because, I, I don't know, are you a European? You kind of are, like, ancestrally. But, but, but it, it, have you ever met any Greek people? Do you know any Greek people? Uh, one, I mean, one that, uh, <clears throat> that I immediately think of offhand, yes. So what, what do you notice about Greek? See, you only got one, right? Like, I, 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 yeah, like I got nothing. Yeah, friend. I got nothing. He's just some. He's just a guy at the gym to me. I don't know. No. They're very, very. They're, you know, and this is this is anecdotal. This is not based on any empirical evidence. So, flag it is what I'm saying. But they, they, and, and I love them. Like, hello, Denai and Joanna, like two of my Greek friends. Um, if you were listening, probably not, but. Um, <laughs> They tend to be very, 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 very identitarian, right? They're really, 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 really proud of where they come from, and understandably so, right? They they know all about, you know, Greek history, its primacy of Plato and Aristotle and Socrates and Leonardus and the Spartans, and they know all about that stuff, right? Um, and it, they they will be able to reel off all these facts about how everything originated in ancient Greece, and, and they're right, much of it did. But they very ha they have a very kind of strong sense of who they are. So the the same way that Americans think that history started with the 
Declaration of Independence. I, I, would, say, <laughs> I would say I would say even more so. Oh, okay. Um, and again, this is anecdotal, right? Yeah. Um, whereas the Brits, we don't really have a sense of who we are. Okay. Certainly not in comparison to the Greeks, and certainly not in comparison to the Americans. And so therefore, this kind of, if you don't have a sense of who you are, um, I mean, I have a sense of who I am. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, you mean collective. In, who we in this are, collective, right? In this collective kind of sense, yeah, yeah. And, and, and um, so maybe that's the reason why anti-Semitism just doesn't occur. Yeah. Oh, I think... You mean in you because me. I think I think there's plenty of anti-Semitism in. Oh no no in, no no, no. In the there, yeah. there is yeah. plenty of anti-Semitism yeah. in the UK too, but yeah. the reason why I don't think it occurs to me is because I personally have no sense of who we are as a collective well, group, I, the Brits. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, so. I mean, I think all of us are susceptible when to you a start collective. To, but, sure, sure, but when you start yeah. to increase, when does collectivism start, right? So it seems to be when you would increase the need for collectivism, right? So, so, so if, if if the Greeks are under pressure in a financial crisis, then that increases the pressure for them to identify as a we, for them to start some kind of form of collectivism. Similarly, um, if you put the Jews through a holocaust then that kind of puts them binds them together to form a protective group in order to defend other people out which then predicts the formation of the state of israel um yeah so any any I mean, sense we, on an instinctive level yeah i mean we've talked about this before right you know an epistemic threat you know would prime that would prime that up so, right yeah um so one of the re the other than the fact that, you know, their study was similar to mine and they didn't get canceled. Um, I also kind of wanted to, and, and also, of course, that it was about anti-Semitism, very relevant right now. So, but I also, sorry, oh, go ahead. There was just one question I had, like, so by discussing anti-Semitism and looking at the potential causes of anti-Semitism, does it follow that they're anti-Semites? <laughs> No, it does not. It doesn't? No. Isn't Who that, the fuck you know? it? I know. I know. Could it be Lisa. that they might be actually trying to use that information? To do good? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other reason why I wanted to bring this up, because cause you were telling me... Um, that, you know, people were posting, you know, like sort of reading Osama bin Laden's letter to America and, and oh, sympathizing yeah. and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was, you know, I said, oh, I don't really want to, I don't really want to like spend a whole podcast talking about, you know, it's uh, stupid people doing stupid stuff. But, <laughs> um, not that we don't often do that, but, uh, but well, I'm we wondering, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, but I did want, I did think that this article in some ways was relevant to that. This sort of, you know, um, uh, I, 
because I've suffered, maybe, maybe as a pandemic, like, oh, I've suffered, like, I'm thinking about like people being canceled, like, you know, during the, it's like, um, you know, uh, we, we, the collective, we are suffering during this pandemic. And, um, and so we, we need to find, you know, someone as, you know, maybe previous research shown to scapegoat, or maybe as this one, we need to find um, as a comparison group, you know, who can we, you know, compare ourselves uh, with in terms of the suffering and, and is there a rise in anti-Semitism because we collectively suffered through a, through a pandemic and, you know, that was, you know, it's horrible and, you know, how dare say the Jews, which is our comparison point, um, you know, continue to whine about, um, you know, Israel and Palestine and, <laughs> you know, these internal, this internal um, difficulty when we suffered through a pandemic. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that there might be something a little bit something to that, you know, and that, that it, you know, um, maybe uh, fueled to some extent, some, you know, cancellations and some, you know, in sort of like, well, you know, you know, like sort of like a parent would say, you know, uh, don't stop your crying or I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like, like <laughs> so, um, you know, stop, stop your whining. I'll, I'll give you something to, to whine about. Um, and I don't know if people are, I mean, you know, we, we actually did a, another, um, podcast on, uh, virtuous victimhood, and I think that these these two uh, podcasts uh, sort of you know dovetail you know this sort of virtuosity in in victimhood. I think that's some of what's going on here, and maybe some of what's going on when people get on and post about um, you know read Osama bin Laden's letter to America. I don't know. No, not recently. I mean, I have, but not not. Not since I mean, this whole big hoopla. It's explicitly disgusting. It's it's yeah. all about how everything is the fault of the Jews, right? And and the reason why, like he kind of implies that I don't really hate you, America, and I, you know, it's not you, but because you support the Jews, mm -hmm. that's that's why. Then you know that's why we you deserve everything that's coming to you. Um. It's it's explicitly disgusting, and yet, you know, we are, and this this highlights the generational shift, right? We are at a time right now where, on the far left, on the trendy TikTok celebrity far left, you can basically say come up with the same kind of stuff that Hitler came up with in the nineteen thirties. I mean, you literally can. What Osama bin Laden says in that letter is eerily close to literally the kind of stuff that Hitler was coming out with. You know, the conspiracy theories about the Jews causing all these problems and so on and so forth. And you can come out with that now. And that's okay. Not only is that okay, it's quite trendy. So there are kids at university who are right. in the left. Now, hark back to an 18-year-old Elizabeth Spivak or Mike Burke. There's no fucking way you could have come out with that. No. You would have been cancelled no. in a time where cancel culture wasn't right. really a thing. But you would have been cancelled if you came out with that. 
right? And, and rightly yeah. so, perhaps. Well, not rightly so. I mean, you know, the ideal way of dealing with that would be to sit down with the person and reason through their mm, bad beliefs and, right. and the rest of it, right? But so, right. so, so you know, and I, I, I correct myself by saying rightly so. That, that, that would be the way that you deal with somebody like that. Um, but, 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 you know, you, you would absolutely have been cancelled for, for expressing sympathy with Hitler. Um, but now it's okay to say those things. Yeah. And well, and on the, ex on the extreme right, we, we have a candidate on the extreme right who's using almost the same language as Hitler. Who's that? So, Trump. Oh, yeah. Um, so in, in speeches, you know, he's using the same phrases. Wouldn't it be interesting? But he doesn't hate the Jews. But he doesn't hate the Jews. He is the most pro-Israeli president forever, practically. But anyway, oh, yeah. yeah. But I'm, you know, uh, I'm just saying that the, 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 the style of rhetoric, that's what I'm talking about. The, the, the phrases that, you know, are being, so it's not specific. So not the, the manner content, of speaking. but the way he speaks. Some of the content too, not anti-Semitic content, but other content, you know. Um, so getting rid of the vermin. He specifically has a whole getting rid of the vermin uh, speech. Yeah, so, so the interesting so. thing about Trump is that he has a them, right? <laughs> so it's what, just what a different them, yeah. But, 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 but the, the interesting thing about Trump is his them is that I have no idea who his them is. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it goes with the wind. It's whoever, you know, like. Oh, because he's such so, an opportunist. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should be clear. I despise Trump. Um, <laughs> but, but, well, because he's a liar, because he embodies everything that British people hate yeah. about America. The whole big, you know, I have the best words or I have the biggest or, I, you know. All of that oh, yeah. Nonsense. He's got the biggest um, and the best of everything. <laughs> you know. But, 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 you know, when Americans. The, the critique of Trump should be on the mark, right? When, you know, his, the thing that, the thing that I hated most about him is like saying that he goes up and grabs women by the pussy. Oh, I know. He actually, he actually said that. And, yes. and, he, and he said that in a way that he was proud of it. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like boasting about doing sexual assault. Not, not kind of like, exactly like, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, so yeah, I mean, he was boasting about sexual assault. Now, yeah. Does that mean he did it? No, I have no idea. I, yeah. But, but if, if he's boasting about it, he means that he thinks that that was a good thing to do. Um, you know, so, so he's clearly a, a repugnant individual. Um, and he does have this kind of right-wing outgrouping, the them, the vermin, and the rest of it. But it, to his, I wouldn't say to his credit, to because i despise man to, it's too going to that's going too far to his not damnation <laughs> the the them is never explicitly tied to any group right it, it is a kind of like the deep state or yeah it's elite, just whoever i think it's or, you know changes by the week you know right now because there's some a trial in georgia it's the you know it's the judge right no, uh, the, the judge is part of them. So, so, you know, he's yeah. very much like a Julius Caesar, isn't he? Uh, uh, albeit not as competent or intelligent. Um, but, 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 you know, Ju Julius Caesar was this... Um, do you know about the background of Julius Caesar, by the way? I mean, beyond Shakespeare? No. <laughs> so Caesar, Caesar is a really... So in um, Rome, ancient Rome, you had four classes, right? You had the slaves, which was most people. Um, then you had the plebeians, um, the equestrians, like 
they were the next class up. You, now you think of question somebody who likes horses, well, they tended to write horses. So. And then at the top, you had the patricians. Um, and, and Caesar was a patrician, but he was a kind of outcast from the patrician. He, his family, he was a no, came from a noble family, but they were pretty poorly done by, you know, they weren't doing very well. Um, and um, so he kind of led a, re a revolt against the patrician class, the, the, the system of rulership, right? It's very much like a Trump. You know, Trump is yes. of the American elite, right? But yeah. he's not for them. He doesn't fit with them. Yeah. But he does yeah. fit very much with the American plebeians, just like Julius Caesar did. Right. Um, so he's kind of one of those kind of characters. I know. I, I have to confess, I miss Trump. <laughs> like not not sort because of, I. Go on. I was going to say sort of the way that comedians do because it's yes, easy. yes, it's, it's low so hanging, funny. low hanging fruit. Yeah, it was so funny to watch his press conferences. You're fake news. You're fake news, and you're very fake news. I just you know it was yeah. just hilarious. And when he started calling Kim Jong. Um, um, rocket boy and stuff I, oh you know, god it, was, it yeah. was it was awful but it was it was hilarious i mean i guess it was hilarious in a sense from a british point of view watching america debase <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and so they, they thank god it's not happening here but of course it kind of is over there now no so. no you know yeah, I'm, yeah. i know, i yeah. apologize for that but anyway um yeah. it was funny um so anyway, I mean, the, the bottom line here in this article is that perceptions of collective suffering, especially when triggered by comparisons with groups whose victimhood appears to be undisputed, so Jews, undisputed victimhood, um, triggers hostile attitudes towards the Jews. Um, our study makes, you know, a contribution uh, to the literature. Um, uh, you know, they're just you know, really saying that, um, you know, this, and they, they make a point similar to what I was just mentioning, which is they say, this is not surprising as the status of victim has, uh, as, as the status of victim has nowadays more concrete and symbolic benefits than in the past. Based on these findings, we should expect this trend will have counter effects, boosting competition between groups and thus leading to higher levels of anti-Semitism. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly the stuff that David Bernstein, um, our friend, talks about um, in his book, Woke Antisemitism, that he, you know, he just foresaw all of this, um, mm -hmm. that the kind of, that the, the, the victimhood seeking morality would lead to competitive victimhood, and that would result in more anti-Semitism, and it absolutely has. Um, yeah. That's absolutely what is going on right now, uh, which is distressing to say the least so where do we think this is going can i make my prediction yeah nowhere good i'm sure nowhere good um yeah so i i i think that the healthy way of being as an individual is to see yourself as an individual much in the way that i did in the sense that anti-semitism and Jewish people didn't really even occur to me, didn't register. You know, I didn't even think to notice that their names were Jewish. I mean, you know, that is where you want to be as a society. 
And if you're not there, it's not your fault. It's probably because the pressure around you of people telling you that you have to think in these kind of identitarian terms um, is making you see the world like that. But where I think this is going is that we are designating a group of victims, which would be, let's say, the Palestinians or perhaps more broadly the Arabs, because the Palestinians are a mixture of Jordanian and Egyptian, because before um, 1968, Gaza was controlled by Egypt and the West Bank was, was Jordan. Um, so, you know, when we think about a Palestinian ethnicity, you, you tend to think about something that has existed for hundreds, if not thousands of years. It's just, and it's simply not the case. Um, so we're thinking that the victims are more broadly the Arabs. And that seems to have currency within the elite institutions of the US, hence all of the stupid demonstrations we're seeing in New York and so on and so, so forth. So if it becomes in your interests as a member of the American middle class to ally yourself with that victimhood group, that you will accrue social status if you present yourself as being in favor of them, then there will be another major terrorist attack in the United States. And when it happens, those members of the American middle class will come out in favor of the people who perpetrated it. <laughs> just, just in the same way that they are now coming out in favor of Osama bin Laden's letter to America. Right? They're coming out and they're saying that September the 11th was the fault of the United States. Okay, that, now that doesn't, that's not as big as what's going to come because that's a historic letter that is trending on TikTok, right? It's not a current event that is happening right now. But what it is foreshadowing is what is about to happen, which is a terrorist attack in the United States and many people, many, 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 many people at some of America's institutions coming out and saying that it was justified. We got what maybe we deserved. Even, maybe even celebrating it. Not even mm. we got what we deserved. Like them forming a we with the people who did it. Mm -hmm. Ignorant of the fact that the people who did it would murder them in a heartbeat. But them forming in their own heads a we with the people, them 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 forming their own illusionary in group with the people who perpetrated it. Um, so I think, you know, and maybe this won't happen. Maybe the FBI will stop it, hopefully, before it does. But it's highly likely that this is going to happen. And I, I, I'm not talking about this just from an abstract theoretical point of view. Um, Practical intelligence sources that I talk to um, say that the U.S. is on really, really high alert, that you have Hezbollah, Hamas kind of people in the United States right now that are, that are getting ready to do this. Um, so we're into really, really interesting territory. And where do we go from there? Right. How do we. How do we course correct knowing that the most prestigious institutions in the united states have chosen 
if not to outright ally, then to be ambivalent on the horrors of Hamas. Presently in Israel, but shortly afterwards in the United States States itself. How do we how do we go back from this? What happens to those institutions? So are you talking what kind of institutions are you talking about? Um, Harvard. Oh, you're talking about universities. Yeah, well, the New York Times. <laughs> I mean, did you see how bad things are right now, right? When mm -hmm. you have the, 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 the elite institutions of the United States are headed in a direction, if not, they are already at that stage in which they are openly and actively against not just the 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 symbols of of, of America, but 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 the population too. How do we? How do you? Well, I don't know we because it's the West more broadly. I mean, America is just an example. How because Britain is exactly the same, by the way. How do we get back from this? I mean, we're headed into weird territory. Well, yeah, I, this is, this is beyond my, I, I guess I don't It's, it's see... beyond anybody. It's beyond anybody yeah. because this is uncharted waters. So well, you, I your don't... guess is as good as, as yeah. anyone's. Yeah. I don't see, and, and maybe I'm naive, I guess. I don't see the, ex, the extent, uh, I don't see the, the, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see all of the institutions as hard over as you're suggesting. And, um, I think that, uh, I, again, I'm, I'm sort of against the, well, not sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm against major statements by universities and uh, I don't feel like it's useful. I don't, um, I think that coming out against murder is a good idea. I think coming out, you know, there's, but I don't think that every, I, I think it sets a, it set a bad precedent when they did it with the, the George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter and the, you know, and it set, it's, it's, they, they're now just like everybody, just like, just like you and I are expected to, you know, post on Facebook what we think or get on Twitter and do a little video, uh, you know, about what we think about something. It's like, you know, we, we, we don't, we don't have a moral, we don't have a value unless it's out there, unless it's in a statement, unless it's on a video, we must not have morals or values. Completely untrue. I don't think, I don't need to wear my morals and my values on a tattoo on my forehead. I do not need to, to put it out for posterity, you know, for people to come back to, you know, over and over again to, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't think that that's, um, I don't think it's useful. I don't think it's productive. I don't think it gives people opportunities to think about things. You know, you, Oh, you got to come out with that statement, you know, uh, you know, 15 minutes after, you know, something happens, you know, we, we need as human beings to grow and to learn and to change. And in this society, I don't know where those 
spaces are anymore because everything's permanent. It's out there forever. I don't know. I... There's there's no room for ambiguity. There is no. We see this is one of the the wonderful thing about teaching Japanese university students. They are perfectly comfortable with saying "wakaranai," which means I don't know. Right? Yeah. I, 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 I don't know about this thing. I, I don't have the information. I have no opinion of, of it. You know, when you teach, when, when I've taught American students um, in Japanese universities, they know everything. They, they don't. They think they know everything. Oh, no, but yeah, they think they know everything. Yeah. They think they know everything, right? So they can answer any question. Now, obviously, the answer isn't usually very good, but they think it is. They're confident about it, and they will jump to, 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 to any conclusion. So their minds, you know, you're right, we're at this kind of space in society, this time in society, I should say, where we say absolutely everything with absolute certainty. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't know anything about Israel or Palestine, and therefore you cannot ascribe blame to one side or the other because you just don't have an idea, that is not a moral failing. It's not even an intellectual failing. Like maybe you spent your time learning something else. Or maybe, and, and that could be a video game, by the way, whatever. It's not a, yeah. you know, unless it's directly impacting you, it's not a moral failing or an intellectual failing not to know something about something. It, it's not a moral or intellectual failing to know about it and take a position either. Um, but right. you're right, we are at this, this time of absolute certainty, and you're the one that convinced me of this, by the way. Like, you know, I was all for making an ILV institutional statement and, and you're the one that, that talked me down from that. And thank you very much. Um, but it's interesting with other members of our ILV argued the same thing as you, but then wanted, wanted to do, weren't consistent with themselves. Love you, yeah, James. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. um, but yeah. anyway. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, it's, you know what, it's a newspaper, uh, you know, a newspaper, <clears throat> I think, um, you know, they, you know, endorse a candidate or whatever, you know, they, ne they never do it in the first, you know, few weeks of a campaign. They wait until, you know, they typically wait. Um, but they, I, I expect a newspaper to sometimes say, to, to include contradictory things. I expect, mm -hmm. you know, the New York Times to, you know, pr to produce articles that say, you know, go, you know, New York Knicks and go New York, whatever another team is, Nets. I'm just, you know, you know, go, you know, and to, to include both of those. Okay. And to, you know, um, con you know, to have those, journalists contradict each other and i expect there to be that kind of i do, i don't feel a need for say the the new york times or the washington post or the wall street journal or whatever to say this is our stance on israel and uh and and you know gaza and we are never going to publish something that's not in line with that and i feel the same way about universities um and I, I feel the same way about myself. You know, I, I can have, I can have an opinion about, uh, you know, these things and learn some, learn new information or, or see something um, different, uh, you know, see it from a different perspective, see exactly the same information, but from a different perspective and have that 
alter my opinion. And that opinion can, can again, alter and grow and change and, and everything. So um, I don't know. That, but, no, but that's absolutely vital, right? If you, if you, how can you claim to have developed intellectually if you've stayed the same as you were when you were 18? Right? You can't. Right. You, you know, you you may have invented new ways of justifying your, your, your biases and you may become better at justifying your biases, but you've not really developed. You know, you've just, you've just kind of, you're just set in stone. And this is like, you know, I, when I was, I don't know what you were like when you were 18, but when, when I was 18, I was a radical socialist, like I'm kind of a Marxist, right? Um, an idiot, in other words. <laughs> And, you know, I know a lot of people who are journalists who are exactly like that. They haven't changed intellectually since they're 18. And they think that the, the, the grown up and mature thing to be is a, is a Marxist. And I used to respect these people and I have no respect for them anymore. They're, if you, you know, if you can't move past your teenage period intellectually, if you're stuck in intellectual puberty aged 55, then fuck off. I mean, like, <laughs> why would you be taken seriously? Um, but you're right. We are, we are, we, we're living in an age of almost unparalleled pressure to conform. And, and it's on, it, 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 it's not just one side, right? So, you know, the woke thing, anyone who's listened to that, will, this will understand that, right? But even on the anti-woke side, you know, we, we have seen people forming in groups with Christian conservatives, and there's nothing wrong with that. I have Christian conservative friends who I love very much, Krista, for example, um, but I don't agree with everything that she says or they say. Right. So when they think that homosexuality is evil, for example, and let's give them credit, they would say that. They don't think homosexuals are evil. They think that homosexuality is evil and they're not condemning these people because they too have other evils and even as Christian conservatives. So they're not even necessarily saying that they are any better. Um, but I don't agree with them on these things. You know, I disagree with them quite actively. But what we've seen is we've seen anti-woke people form in groups with conservative Christians and start to appropriate their beliefs. Hence the whole kind of anti-gay conspiracy theory. And what I have had abuse for, and Helen too, um, is for failing that purity check. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going that way, right? I'm not going to start saying that there is a grand conspiracy to turn the kids trans. And if I fail your purity check, well, so what, right? But there is that pressure to conform. So we're in this age of absolutes and it's scary. Yeah. And, um, and I think the, to some extent, the conformity is to, uh, it, the pressure is to engage in any form of absolutism. It's like, just, you know, pick your absolutism and go there. And, and that's, that's it. what I, that I need to, so, so sort of this pressure to, I need to know 
who you are at every moment, what to, you know, I need to know what camp you're in, in each, you know, whatever, in order for me to interact with you, I need to know exactly what tribe you affiliate with. I cannot possibly interact with somebody, you know, that, you know, that I don't know what they're, you know, in this, in this issue in this, whatever, I, I got to know where you stand at all times. And, and I'm not comfortable most of the time. Um, I have very few absolutes, I think, uh, that are issue related much more, of and, and I yeah. wish I, I do have other people in my life, but very few like that. Do you know why? Do you know why you have very few absolutes? Because Elizabeth, on the I'm, I'm going to do what you did to me. Okay. <laughs> on the vast majority of subjects, you know fuck all. Like there are, and me too, right? There is only a very any human being, for any human right. being in the world out there, there is only a very narrow set of things that you can know a lot about, right? right? You, 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 as a professor of psychology, you know about social, like, 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 you always tell me, oh, I'm not, you have this kind of insecurity, right, about, oh, I'm not a clinical psychologist, and therefore, can I yes. not call my, I can't call myself a, yeah. a psychologist at all, I'm a social yes. psychologist, and, you know, you have anxieties about that, right, and, 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 and that's, I wouldn't agree with you, I think you know a lot about psychology, and you can call yourself a psychologist, and this kind of clinical thing is very American, right, in England, Anybody who's written anything on psychology can call themselves a psychologist, pretty much, right? And there's no issue with that. And, and, I, and I don't see a problem with that, actually. Like, I, I did this kind of reverence for psychology as if it was some sort of objective thing is odd to me. But anyway, um, but, but you're quite right to feel insecure in that. And I do, too. Like, I, I know that I don't, I know fuck all about most things. And I'm quite happy with that. You know, that, that's the way things should be. And that means that as a consequence, my opinion must be malleable. Right, right. And that's and how, and how, what, what, how freeing is that? I mean, to me, that is, it's like, uh, it's, you are free then to, to, um, you know, read anything to discipline. talk to yeah it's, i mean it's and it's change not your mind. and change your mind yeah and you maybe change your mind more than once in the same day i mean you know how i mean what a lovely freeing idea that is and and i don't know uh i don't really understand I'm sure that I felt similarly when I was, say, 18 or whatever, that, no, I, I, that I was Listen. that I was sort of like fully baked as a human. Not that I knew everything about everything, but that I wasn't going to change, you know, as much as most people do, you know, across uh, across their lifespan. I thought I was a fully baked human. You know, this is it. I'm who I am, you know. Um, and and yet, um, you know. It isn't just college kids that I see that in, you know. No, it's, it's most people it, in my view. Yeah, yeah. Not, so. not, not in Japan, by the way. In Japan, like, people are really comfortable with just saying, I don't know. Like, I, it's yeah. so lovely. Um, but this, is, this, this is what turned me into a philosophical conservative. 
like not like a conservative in the American sense where everything has to be free market, right? A conservative in so far that I cherish elements of the status quo is that like, I'm happy to say like, I don't know that X, how X caused Y or even if X caused Y, um, I have no confidence in that. And therefore I have no pride in my intellect in so far as I think that I'm so smart that I can figure out all of these problems that other people can't. And, and, you know, even if I do think that I'm smarter than other people, it still doesn't follow that their expertise as having been developed in working in a certain area doesn't trump mine. So, you know, I, 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 I developed a sense of humility and, and one of my proudest, proudest accomplishments was going from someone who was vain and, and arrogant because, you know, they're, they're slightly different things, right? Vain being in love with myself and arrogant thinking that I had abilities that I didn't have being somebody who can change their mind in real time. And that's hard. That's a, that's a, a real skill, right? So, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're talking to an Elizabeth Spivak and she contradicts something that you said and gives you evidence. And you go, that makes sense. You're probably <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> being, being able to do that though. Like, yeah. like I'm, I'm so proud of myself for learning that skill. Um, and I, I wish that, 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 that fallibility was more of a thing. I wish that people could be proud for being fallible. Right. Yeah. And like you said, you know, all this, you know, posting of stuff with such certainty and which, with such finality. And, and I do think that, you know, I mean, I, I get it. You know, people are, including yourself, you know, critis, you know, cr critical of, you know, the institutions that haven't, you know, maybe done things exactly the way that, um, you know, that you think would be best, you know, you know, more about international relations and, and all of these things, you know, than I do. And, 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 and I, and, you know, I respect that, that maybe you're, you're right, that, that these are huge mistakes. Um, I guess it's just a little bit, harder for me to, to see it that way. Um, and I hope you're not right. And I hope that, um, so do I. I really do. I really do. Yeah. So yeah. Do I. yeah. I mean, um, part, like I, I find it very difficult to, the, the evidence seems to be everywhere that these institutions have, gone quite fundamentally awry and and you kind of articulate that yourself don't you oh yes I mean, you talk about uh, the two uh, conflicting mission statements right yes like and their... and i yeah yeah uh, although i think that to some extent the the news is both worse and better to, so I'll, I'll go with the better first the good news mm -hmm. first um i don't think that I don't think they're all, I think that they're all in more, uh, from a more pragmatic Machiavellian, you know, pragmatic kind of way mm -hmm. um, than they are all in, in a moral and value 
kind of way. And so from, to some extent, I think that's worse because, you know, they're engaging in this behavior that's, you know, destructive to individuals and to their own institutions and, and stuff for reasons that are not, um, you know, not, again, not, not based in some of the morals and values that, and, and, and traditions and love of learning and, and knowledge building and, and that kind of stuff that we would hope that, you know, educational institutions would be based in. So I, I think from that standpoint, it's, it's sad and, and worse than we think, but also in some ways better than we think, because I do think that if something else comes along, they'll, they'll jump on, they'll on, that, on right? that. Yeah. And, and convince themselves or start institutes, internal institutes, give people, you know, academic appointments and an endowed chair of blah, 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 and that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but I don't, I don't know how all in, in a, in a way that, you know, you and I kind of, I, I uh, don't an in, internal compass kind of way. I don't disagree with you, but the extent to which they've gone along with their own Jacobins, yeah, um, has already and is continuing to cause significant damage. Oh yeah, like I, I don't think they're going to get their Napoleon. I can't. I don't see anybody in the America. I don't see any because that that's what they would need, right? In order for them to, you know, they are not the majority within Harvard. I don't think. I think most academics at Harvard know that this stuff is a problem and don't go along with it. But they they are afraid of the firebrands. I don't think they're a majority anywhere, even on the left. But I think that people will just go along with it because they're afraid of these people. So. Irrespective of them, of them not being a majority, they are a critical mass already. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are loathed widely in America and even on the left. So in order for them to, to, to win, to create their society, which would be a bloodbath if it happened, I mean, a literal bloodbath. I mean, people would be, you know, summary executions and everything. Um, they need a Napoleon. And I just don't see there being any such figure on that side of things. I do see there being a right-wing kind of demagogue coming along. You've got a number of candidates who could do it. The most obvious is Trump. Um, he hasn't done anything like that yet, but he, he seems like he could fulfill that kind of role um you know especially with all of the lawsuits going after him and then there's that that new chap was it vivek ramaswanzi or whatever his name is yeah ramasami yeah ramasami sorry for fucking up the name and someone calling me racist for it whatever yeah um he's a demagogue um yeah bright articulate charismatic um but a demagogue and a radical like you know not really a conservative um, Trump isn't a conservative either. Um, Ron DeSantis, similarly, by, you know, embracing these kind of anti-LGBT, you know, conspiracy theories. Um, you know, I see Napoleons on the right. I don't see them on the left. Um, but that said, you know, the left has gone so far that it's ruining people's lives. Mm-hmm. 
yours included potentially i mean the dam i wouldn't say it's ruined your life because you know but the damage it's done to you is and me you more so than me but 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 even significantly to me is is catastrophic i mean who would have thought that it would be highly difficult for me to find a job for pointing out things that a 1990s liberal would have said was a matter of course. Right. Yeah. You know, a 1990s, a Bill Clinton would have just said, well, of course this is true. And that's where we are right now. Okay. And on that cheery note. Yay. Yay. Um... On that cheery note, thank you for listening and um, best of luck. <laughs> <laughs>